I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 192 for the weekend starting 29 September 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, Elon's been a very busy boy. Also this week, we chat about a new space opera involving Klingons, and it's awesome. <laughs> the bank with the tree logo has new smartphones, and we have something to say about some new action cameras. It's Friday, and that means it's time to talk about stuff. Tech stuff, mainly. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Very good. Let's do our quiz. Do you want to do the first question? Sure. When ASAP said it will publish the results of an external probe into alleged malfeasance in its South African operation. GoPro announced new cameras this week. Name one of them. The third question. Thus, Paris has invested the equivalent of 10.6 billion rand in which European food delivery service? Web Africa has announced it is splitting into two companies, an internet access business and a hosting business. What is the name of the hosting business? And the final question. Elon Musk has announced plans to build a rocket ship to transport people anywhere on the planet in under an hour. What is it called? We'll be talking about some of those questions during the show today. So let's, let's dive uh, straight into it. Elon Musk, South African born, of course. Yeah. And now probably one of the most, uh, if not the most celebrated businessmen in America today. Um, announcing yesterday that, uh, that he's going to build a new rocket ship. He's planning to build a new rocket ship that will allow you to, or passengers, to fly to any point on Earth in under an hour. Mm, fantastic. Imagine. For those of us who've Imagine. sat on long-haul flights before in economy class, uh, this sounds like a dream come true, right? <laughs> you, you, you know what this means is for, for, for the media and press uh, being invited overseas. Uh, you're not going to be, travel as much, be traveling as much anymore. <laughs> They'll fly in and fly out within an hour. Yes, yeah, it actually makes international air travel seem palatable again. Mm, mm. Um, but imagine reaching anywhere in the world. In an hour. In an hour. Well, any place that you can actually land at. I mean, mm. I'm sure you're not going to be able to go to a small island like Hawaii. Mm. No, you'll have to go to a mainland somewhere where you know these uh, launch pads will be. Very little detail about uh, exactly what this is going to entail, but uh, Elon Musk saying that you know, if we can send someone to the moon or send someone to Mars, why can't we uh, use the same mm. technology to blast someone around the planet? Uh, this rocket ship is going to be called BFR. I leave it to your imagination what those three letters stand <laughs> for. Um, uh, it's been suggested that maybe it stands for Big Friendly Rocket. <laughs> um, I'd uh, hazard a guess that the uh, that it may there may be another word involved there <laughs> instead of friendly, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, it sounds quite exciting. It's it's early days, of course, and uh, I, you know I, this is probably going to be very expensive to use to travel. Uh, I'd imagine at least at first it's going to mm. you know appeal to the very ultra rich. Yeah, the fuel the consumption is a little bit higher than your average yeah. uh, Boeing. Yes, but interesting that Elon's talking about doing this because uh, I mean he's a real greenie. He's talking about electric cars and all that sort of thing. But I'd imagine a service like this is going to burn a lot of fossil fuels. Yeah. I mean, I can't see something like this be battery-operated using some Tesla batteries and a home no. powering system. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Uh, look, I'm sure, he's, I mean, I'm sure the long-term plans for this wouldn't be. I mean, you, know, you can't be burning fossil fuels at that rate for forever. You know, I'm sure there must have been some thought to it. I mean, I guess, you know, like you said, Elon is a bit of a green guy. There must be some thinking behind it. I don't know. I really don't know. It's, I mean, he ha we don't know a lot of detail yet. Uh, but it does sound extremely exciting. I mean, the, the, how, how long has the um, intercontinental jet liner been around for? It's been 
what, the 1960s probably they came in. Yeah, yeah. I would say even late 50s. Let's mm. uh, do a quick search. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm certainly not young anymore. Uh, you know, in the 70s, I was I flew to England on a on an SAA Boeing 747. Mm. Uh, they've been around for a long time, and they they haven't the speed hasn't improved. Of course, we saw the the um, what was it called the Concorde, uh, mm. which has obviously been removed from service after what happened to it. Uh, but the speed of these these aircraft just hasn't increased, and I think that's to do with the economics of it. Uh, yeah. These planes can fly faster. Um, I've been in one, in fact, that uh, flew just under the speed of sound. I was on a flight from Europe, I think Frankfurt, to, to, to the U.S., I think the west coast of the U.S., and we got into the jet stream. And without having to use any more fuel, uh, this f- plane was able to get up to just a few kilometers per hour under the speed of sound, which is around about twice the speed they normally travel mm. at. Uh, so they're capable of going very fast, and I think if they were to burn more fuel, they'd go. They'd be able to go it, that quickly. Yeah. But the economics of the airline industry doesn't make sense for them to do that. Um, and so there, ha- there hasn't really been any real progress on that front. I'm mean, sure the jet engines have got more efficient. They use less fuel, uh, but to fly to London still takes ten and a half to eleven hours. Yeah, that's still still the big, uh, I guess, the the barrier there. You know, how how, how can we truly connected? You know, get reaching all these foreign places, but I guess the question is: Do we want to? You know, do you really want everybody to be able to travel everywhere in the world instantly or almost yes. instantly? Yes. What would it mean for those airports that are usually quite busy? <laughs> do you think we're going to have an increase in? Uh, uh, well, given that traffic I, jams, I strongly suspect this is going to be very expensive uh, to travel. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to see huge volumes, of, uh, but you know, if you can get it down to the sort of prices, if this works, and you can get it down to the sort of prices we're paying today for jet li- jet, jet airline travel, uh, that that has the potential to change the world because mm. the technology is stuck, really. Um, well, I'm just seeing uh, 1930s air travel, international air travel was uh, already a thing. It wasn't on jet engines, though. Oh, yeah, sorry, these were props. No, you're, yeah. right. oh, you're talking about jet engines, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it would have been the 1960s. Maybe the maybe the late 50s, but I, I'm not sure. When, when was the Boeing 747 introduced? Good question, let's see. We should probably do this research before <laughs> we start the show. <laughs> if we've got good, fast internet, we'll be fine. Um, Boeing 747, uh, 1970, January 2020. 70, 20, okay. 1970. Okay, quite late. Mm. Quite late. But there were jet engines before that, right? Yeah, yeah. Perfected in the military, probably. Look, I mean, I certainly can't wait for the day. To, I dreamt of days where you could get into a tube on one end of the world and magically appear on the other. You know, sci-fi, the best of sci-fi. Yes. Being able to travel like that would, you know, truly, I guess... Mm, make life really interesting on this planet I mean but I guess cost will still be a little bit prohibitive up until yeah. up until uh, well Elon's doing that as well of course with his boring company yes um, the Hyperloop yes the Hyperloop that could be yeah that I mean I think that will probably be a big reality in our lifetime maybe traveling in Hyperloop mm. uh, maybe not in South Africa but uh, yeah. in America we've been asked to land on one end and just zip through to the other end very quickly yeah yeah, I, d- I doubt we're going to see a hyperloop that long anytime soon. <laughs> I don't know, maybe San Francisco to Los Angeles, right? Yeah, I think that's where they're planning to build mm. it. Well, they're talking about some along the east coast of America as well. Uh, but certainly Elon Musk is a big dreamer, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, if you, you know, you, your mind has to be thinking in generations and lifetimes rather than yeah. years and current budget schemes, you mm. know. If I was a Tesla or SpaceX investor, I think I'd be a little bit nervous about him. But 
think that's what makes it so exciting for those guys. I mean, what he does is, I mean, you can see the the change he's trying to make or mm. these things he's trying to build. It's not, you know, these things aren't happening in top secret bunkers that nobody knows about. Yes. You know, he's vocal about it and, and, and we can actually see it. I mean, look at what happened with the Hyperloop. Made those plans available. People were like, really? Is this something that you should be doing or can be doing? And now we actually have working models. Mm. It just shows you what some, I guess, some creative thinking can do. You know, if you really apply your mind to these things. Yes. I find it very exciting. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I'm looking forward to more detail on on the BFR, whatever that stands for. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on. Uh, talk equally exciting stuff, but uh, fiction this time. Science fiction. Fiction, really? Fiction, maybe? Sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> maybe realism. Yes. And that's, of course, the new Star Trek Discovery series, which I was very pleased to see is being broadcast in South Africa on Netflix. And, and it's fantastic. Uh, you've seen it as well, right? The first two episodes, which is really one episode uh, split over two. It was like a big long yeah, pilot, yeah, yeah, movie-length yeah. pilot. Yeah, look, I can't wait for Yoda to show up. I mean, I think that's really going to break it for me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm traditionally a Star Wars fan, but, you know, I, seeing a new Star Trek on Netflix, I was very intrigued, watched it, and I was very impressed. Um, I like the direction that they're going, and like I said, I'm not a traditional Star Trek fan, so I'm not not you know familiar with all the aspects of the storyline. I know mm. the main characters, obviously, but I really like what they've done here, and it's 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 bringing Star Trek that for me was always slightly older sci-fi series. You know, Star Wars had a lot more recent uh, updates, I guess. Um, yeah, but I just don't like the fact that it's going to be released over longer periods as opposed Weekly. to all in one. Yeah, mm. so you can't binge it. It's probably a good thing. Or wait till it's finished and then binge it. Uh, if you have the patience. But um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was very good. The special effects are without doubt the best special effects we've seen in a TV series uh, mm. Uh, mm. sci-fi to date, I would I would wager. Uh, I mean, the, spe- the special effects were fantastic they in were some good. scenes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we're talking, uh, without giving away too much information, because uh, I don't want to disclose any plots, but the, the battle between the mm. Klingons and the and the um, Federation was quite spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, at the beginning of the show, where um, two of the main protagonists are walking on the surface of the planet, and there's that storm brewing in the air. There's a planet um, yes. just just in the sky. I thought that was very well executed. Mm, mm. Very it well was an odd start for me. I, I, I had to kind of think twice about it as that intro song played. Like, why mm. would they start in a seemingly somber? You know, I thought there would be a bit of a bang. But um, no, no, it certainly set the scene for for the storyline. Yeah, yeah. And I, first, first of all, I just want to thank J.J. Abrams for not directing the story. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't like the light flares? <laughs> Oh no, he really took Star Trek down the wrong direction. I thought with the with the movies. Really, I enjoyed those. Did you? I really uh, but you're those. a Star Wars fan, you yeah, know, maybe. You know. um, maybe. I just liked them for being cinematic adventures. They were cinematic adventures, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they were full full of plot holes for us Trekkers. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, let's let's leave that. Let's, there. Leave it, yeah, let's not get into the depths <laughs> of uh, inaccuracies. But, but very good, very good. Uh, very good yeah, show. Yeah. Um, my only criticism of it was that there was too much time. I, I thought uh, maybe other people feel differently, but I felt there was too much focus on the Klingons and their dialogue. I thought it went on a bit. Lots of subtitles. Uh, while it was interesting to you know spend some time on those Klingon ships, I, th- I thought it was a bit uh, too stretched out. You do. I did want to see more of the Star Trek Enterprise, you mm. know, the fleets maybe behind the scenes of what's happening. Because I, I guess that's where your that's where your, your, your the, the anchor is for us, you mm. know, for the guys who watch it. You know, who's you know these guys. But maybe that's a it's a sign either of more Klingon involvement in future episodes. 
Uh, or maybe they just try to fill the first two episodes as part of the pilot with mm-hmm. you know, some content, it's, not to jump to the second one too quickly. It's quite hard to see where this is actually going. Uh, when, when, you know, when I finished that second episode, I thought, well, okay, I'm, you know, this is quite different. Uh, mm. you know, I thought the main protagonist in the show, without giving away too much information again, I thought, you know, I, I thought she would be you know, flying off her own, on her own starship. That was, certainly wasn't the case. Mm. Um, so it was, there was quite a lot of realism, I suppose, injected into it. Uh, she, she's a good lead. I think she's a great lead, actually. Mm. Uh, mm. The, the Chinese um, captain as well. Um, let me not say much more on her because yeah. I'm going give to away, um, give away a bit of the plot there. But the Chinese captain, I thought, was excellent. Mm. Uh, what else is there to say? The, that character, I'm not sure what... Um, what, yeah, what, second, what, second command. Yeah, the, guy the alien. With, the alien with the big mouth. Um, yeah. I, thought, I thought his the poor bugger is going to have to have that makeup done every time he appears. Must be hours and hours and yeah, hours. I don't, of envy, I don't envy those guys. But uh, I mean, the makeup, the effects, uh, the costumes. I mean, all of those things were top class. You know, this yeah. was, a, a, I guess, as you would expect from a Netflix launch like this. Yeah, it's not Netflix though. Netflix is just distributing it in South Africa. Uh, oh really? CBS. I thought, oh, CBS. CBS. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which oh, I think's done all the TV shows before. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a massive network. Yeah, it's a huge free-to-air network in the states, uh, and they—they they are in fact uh, using Star Trek as the as the um, as the uh, way to encourage people to subscribe to their new CBS All Access mm. video streaming service. So this, the pilot was broadcast on broadcast television, but the rest is a ma- being made available exclusively through the web. So CBS won't be broadcasting this in the States. It'll be making it that's available on the web. But they'll obviously make it available on their online channels too. But I guess, you know, the yes, tricky, the tricky audiences have been watching Star Trek on their computers for millennia before, <laughs> <laughs> before network television. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so, oh, it's a great show. It's a great show. I'm looking forward to see where it goes because it's very unclear what, what, where the plot is going. After the first two episodes, but um, it's it's been very well executed, and I think mm, it's it's mm. largely uh, held up the uh, Star Trek uh, law, if you like, or the uh, what, what do you call it? What's the word? The the Star Trek paradigm is not quite the right word, but they're quite faithful to it. Yes, but I see. I'm just uh, having a quick look on Wikipedia, and it says uh, Discovery uh, set roughly a decade before the events of the That's original right. Star Trek series. That's right, and it's featured Discovery explores a Federation Klingon Cold War while following the, disco- the crew of the USS Discovery. So that obviously answers why you know, they're focusing on Klingon mm. a little bit more. Maybe they're going to yeah. try to bring good marketing spin you know, for the toys and the yes. video game spin-offs on the Klingons, potentially. Yeah. The, show, the show is set uh, halfway between Enterprise, uh, which was the earliest in the... Well, it wasn't the earliest in the, in the shows, but it was mm-hmm. the, uh, set in time the, as the earliest Enterprise. What was the actor there? I forget his name. Uh, I haven't actually watched Enterprise, which is very bad as a Star Trek fan. <laughs> I must but get, you're, you're allowed to be faithful to certain crews, you know. That's true, yeah. I, I, this, uh, the next generation is still my favorite. Okay. Captain Picard, oh, yeah. the best captain ever. Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc, make it so number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so we had that, and then, and then uh, this, this new show is, is set after that, and before the original show with Captain Kirk. And, and then I forget where the others are f- uh, sort of fit in. There was Star Trek Voyager. That was the one with the a female captain. Um, I'm forgetting names today. Okay, Catherine Janeway. Mm-hmm. Um, what other Star Trek shows have there been? Next Generation. Um, there's one I'm missing. Deep Space Nine, which I was never really a huge fan of. 
Ja, neither was I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I find it fascinating. It's, it's weird. I, I always find it, you know, I find it interesting when we talk Star Trek and Star Wars, you know, the you have these two factions but they're vastly different from you know they, they're definitely I can I can see both of them catering to my needs of sci-fi mm. but Star Trek was always more of a commitment you know the Star Wars was you know it was the, the stories were compacted into those films where Star Wars it was episodes upon episodes Star Trek so, I mean, yeah. oh, Star Trek sorry yeah. um, I guess I never when, when I was young I never really got into it because we didn't have many Star Trek uh, programs on our TV you know on broadcast TV until Mnet and those guys came along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the original know. was shown in South Africa on the SABC uh, in the 19... could have even been the 1970s. Uh, so they, they caught up with all of those. Uh, it was on when I think we only had one television channel mm-hmm. in South mm-hmm. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> the SRE. I'm certainly looking forward to more of this. I mean, I like it. I really like it. Yeah, that's good. Well, while on the subject of entertainment, did you see uh, that James Cameron is going to be directing a new Terminator film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger? I saw Arnie was set to see uh, starring another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going to ignore all this, all this stuff after Judgment Day. Oh, yeah, that one or, movie, that, or is it two movies? There's two or three since then. Uh, there was one like, only a couple of years ago. Uh, but all, all of the story arc f- after Judgment Day they're ignoring. So James Cameron is going to continue the story after Judgment Day. <laughs> uh, and it's going to have the original actors. Um, oh, fantastic. Uh, including Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, he'll come out in his Zimmer frame. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. No, Looking forward to that. And apparently they're going to make three of them, which sounds like it might be a bit of overkill. Oh, yeah. well, it's a bit, like, a bit like Star Wars. They're making another mm-hmm. three of those. They'll probably shoot them all in roughly the same time and then just get them yeah. in three movies. Yeah. But we know, where are the original ideas? Where are the new, the new things? Where's Battlestar Galactica? Did you enjoy Battlestar Galactica? I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I, I, the, I watched a few episodes. I didn't get into it. Maybe I should try it again. Look, there were there definitely were seasons. You're talking about you're talking about the updated one that was released a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not mm. the original '70s one. Yeah. Um, it was very. I mean, there were slow moments, but yeah, it was definitely binge worthy. And they keep saying fracking in that fracking, fracking, yeah, fracking. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going on about? <laughs> what are Oil these frackers shale like? drilling in the Karoo. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that, that that was very good. I really enjoyed that. Um, I'll give yeah. it another. Like I said, where's the new ideas? We want some new, new sci-fi. sci-fi. The new sci-fi stuff. Yeah. The new Matrix, you know, the new... I guess Guardians of the Galaxy kind of fills a bit of that gap, but that's comic superhero more than, yeah. you know, it's a rehash of old characters. The movies, have, to me, have become really boring. Um, I think the real money and energy is going into television. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely been a big shift into yeah. that. Um, I mean, we were looking to go and watch a movie this last weekend. I looked through Stair Kinnickle's website, and I couldn't find anything that I actually wanted to watch. Yeah. The last movie I watched actually was the other night, uh, It, but that oh, was the one I wanted to see on the big screen. Was it good? I haven't. Uh, it's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. it yeah. okay. I was never I really a fan of It. I did loved the concept and the book. Did you read the book? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a bit long, but uh, yeah, in yeah. fact, it was far too long. Far too long. I, was, I remember it was this big. Yeah. It was one of the biggest books I read at the time. Um, but yeah, no, I liked how they did it. Um, I liked the scare scenes. I, I was expecting a little bit more in terms of 
I guess the the horror aspect of it, mm-hmm. but it was certainly scary enough to to enjoy it. Okay, and I, and I like the clown. The clown these days, the, 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 the way that they created the clown, yeah, you know, the look and the feel mm. of it is. is it's the second cool. it movie they've made, I think. I think there was one made in the early nineties. And there was a TV series, yes. Oh, was there? Yeah, okay. yeah a two-part miniseries TV yeah. series. Yeah, that's the one that I saw. I wish they'd make a proper movie version of The Stand, which is my favorite Stephen King novel. Have you read The, yes, read the Stand? It's, his, read it's the his stand. biggest novel. I mean, if it makes it look like a novella. I mean, it's uh, it's it's massive. The un- uncut edition is like two and a half thousand pages or something. Or maybe I'll audible that. Uh, <laughs> That'll be a seven-day listen. <laughs> God, yeah, I read it when I was in when I finished my trick actually, and uh, I was on holiday for three weeks. It took me three weeks to read that thing nonstop. Hmm. Um, it was a great book though, uh, and they made a TV series out of it, which was really quite weak. Um, yeah, many Stephen King adaptations were weren't as strong as what they could have been. But some of the movies they've made from his books have been absolutely spectacular. I mean, many people uh, say that um, uh, the Shawshank Redemption is their favorite movie of all time, and that was based on a Stephen King short story. I didn't know that. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The Green Mile was also a Stephen King, uh, which is also was a fantastic movie. But the stand has never been done. Has never, no one's no one's done it justice mm. in, in in television or in cinema. Uh, but it's a difficult story to do. I mean, it's about the end of the world. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a long story, and there's lots of characters. Well, TV the TV series is perfect for that. Yeah. you can make it over mm. a season or two. Yeah, maybe someone will revisit it at some point. I mean, Netflix has got so much cash floating around. Maybe, <laughs> they'll, maybe they'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> But how did we get on to Stephen King? Oh, we're talking about Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Look at where it got us. <laughs> we need to take an ad break. We'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Running a business keeps you on your toes. Wouldn't it be great if your internet connection could keep up? Introducing Business Class Fiber from Vox. It's super fast, reliable, and highly cost-effective. You get unlimited calls to all SA destinations and it's scalable. So no matter the size of your business, you've still got room to grow. Get connected with Business Class Fiber from Vox and see what super fast internet really means. For more information, visit vox.co.za. So new smartphones from FNB, they look quite nice. Uh, they are called the Connexus X2 and the Connexus A2. These are the successors to the X1 and the A1. Uh, the X the X model is the is the is the one that that's really interesting. Uh, it's a nice nice device. It's uh, it's it's got a it's significantly imp- improved from the the previous model, and it's going to be available relatively cheaply to FMB customers. In fact, if you're on eBucks level five, you get the phone for free. Nice. And they're very just various discounts depending on the eBucks tier that you're on. But even if you're not on one of those eBucks tiers, it, it's 199 rand a month commitment, uh, and they throw in a little bit of very little bit of voice and data with that. Uh, they're nice phones. They've done quite well. They actually revealed the sales numbers. I think it was around 73 or 78 thousand units they've sold in the past year. Um, I think it was about 
two thirds of that went to the X model and the rest to the A model. The A model is very much an entry level phone. But they're nice devices. They're made by ZTE, uh, four standard bank. They've got F&B branding on them. Uh, and they, they fill a nice niche in the market. You, uh, you get these phones, uh, you have to be an F&B customer. And uh, they send you a SIM card to the F&B Connect MVNO network, mm. which piggybacks obviously on Cell C. And you, you pay, it, uh, pay it back uh, through, your, through your savings account, your bank account. Uh, you put down a deposit up front, um, which is fully refundable t- to you at the end of the period with interest. And they're nice devices. Um, there's, there's a space for them in the market. But I have a big criticism of them. F&B SIM locks or network locks them. Uh, so you can't use it with another network, mm. which is a, which they argue that they need to do that in order to keep the prices down. I would argue that... I would have thought security would have been a bigger, better argument there. So nobody yeah. can sim swap and drain your bank account. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I'd argue that they're shooting themselves in the foot. Mm. Um, you know, for, I for one, where I live, there is no cell C reception. I'm an F&B customer. I can't take advantage of this because I do not have coverage. Because you don't have coverage. I actually don't have coverage. So I'll get this thing and it'll be a brick because I can't use it. Um, And I I think customers have become used to the idea of not having network-locked phones. And as a customer, I I I just won't get one. And I think they'd sell many more of these things if they Mm. weren't so uh, insistent on network-locking them. Uh, and if they were confident about the quality of their F&B Connect network, then why not network lock them? Mm. If you believe you've got the right deals, the right prices to appeal to your customers, and you've got a network that's good quality, which they say they do through SLC, then why why network lock? Um, give your customers choice. Yeah, I, I just I, I I just find the whole network locking concept off. Um, Clearly, there are 73 or 78,000 people who disagree with me. Mm. Maybe they've got phones not knowing they were network locked. Yeah, how many of those people would actually change, I mean, after a period? You know, they'll probably only realize that when the contract's up and they yeah. want to maybe migrate or port to another contract. No, no to be fair, when, when you've paid off the phone over 24 months, you can phone F&B and they'll give you a network unlock code. Okay. So that so it is to maximize profits while you buy the phone, while you have the phone, from yeah. them, which you buy, at, which you yes. buy with um, yes. interest. Yes. So that's fair enough if they do that, if they actually do that after the 24-month period. Um, I don't know if anyone's actually tried to do that yet because I don't think yeah. anyone's reached that period yet. But um, but I don't know. It just, it just seems off to me. Um, I, I, I'd imagine they'd sell a whole lot more of these things if they didn't network lock them, mm. even if it means no, no, a slightly higher price. Because, again, it's not in the interest of the customer. Yeah. And I, a lot of people... Um, See, a lot of people, and I was certainly under this impression for a long time, was that that there's a view out there that ICASA has banned network locking of phones, that in fact you're not allowed to do it under regulations. Mm. But it actually never happened. Those regulations were never introduced, so the operators are allowed to do that. So everything fell away at one point, right? Everything, uh, there was a lot of network locking going on. I remember having a few phones. There was, and then it appeared the operators all sat around a table or there was some sort of agreement. I don't know if it was an official agreement between them, but they, at one point, the, all the operators stopped network locking. I think it must be a pain for them as well. I mean, oh. people want to switch networks and that sort of thing, and they just get so many complaints from customers, it must be a nightmare. Yeah. I, I would imagine that's why they stopped it. 
but it was the right move. Uh, and, you know, you get a phone now, except in the case of F&B, and you know you can put a SIM from any network in it, and that's, I think, the right approach, especially in a market where people are switching networks all the time for the best deals, especially in the prepaid market. I mm. mean, the churn levels mm. are very high, and you're just going to end up annoying a lot of people if you sell them a phone that you can't plug another SIM, another network into. Yeah, yeah. Um, F and B. I asked them this press conference. Oh, sorry, I asked them this question at the press conference, and they said they, they, you know, they've debated this a lot internally, and this is the decision they reached to make it maximize affordability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that's the key word: maximize affordability. Well, yeah. maximize finance is going in for them, I guess, because mm-hmm. they'll lock the customer. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it works. I don't know. I mean, I'd be here keen to hear people's views. Drop us a, a mail: info at techcentral.co.za. What do you think of this issue? Um, I personally, it, it just seems uh, in the not, not the right, not in best cust- customer's best interest to do that. But that's my take on it. Hmm. Rechot, uh, GoPro has announced um, two new cameras that look really interesting. You've had a yes. look at them. Uh, yeah. It's the GoPro Hero 6, which is obviously the follow-up to the, the, the market-leading yeah. devices. Uh, and they've also introduced a new 360 camera called the Fusion, I think it's Fusion, called. that's it. Just tell us a bit about them. You've had a look. So yeah, the I mean, Euro Five was really kind of a big step up for for GoPro. It was it was their entry into kind of the next level of action camera, and it wasn't really as well received as what I thought as what it should have. I think you know I was still using the the old Euro Four and Euro Three. It's quite expensive. It was a massive price jump, and and it was a different design. So all my peripherals immediately didn't work anymore. You know, um, and we'll talk about one of these that I'm going to show you just now. But the Euro Six has got a new GP One processor built in, and that really allows them to do one thing, which I think is an incredibly awesome feature, and that is 60 frames per second at 4K. Oh, well. Now, with any, I mean, if you look at what an action camera is, you're gonna, you're gonna shoot action photography, sports, that kind of thing. Very few people use them to shoot very basic, mm. static um, subjects. And a big advancement in, or, or, or a big change in video editing these days is to take those really powerful shots and scenes and slow it down completely. Yes. You know, and then you just have this cinematic feel to whatever you're shooting. Yes. Um, so 4K at 60 frames a second, which is great. But what I'm really excited about is uh, if you drop your resolution down to 2.7K, you'll now be able to shoot at 120 frames per second. So 120 frames per second at 2.7K, which is... Wow. You know, that's a fantastic quality. I only edit in 2.7K, even though I've got 4K cameras, because it's just resource. If the resources are just... I don't want to work with 4K files yet. Mm. But 120 frames per second is absolutely fantastic. All the other features, it's got GPS, uh, auto image stabilization. Um, now the, auto, the image stabilization goes up to the 4K at 30 frames per second, as opposed to the Euro 5, which was only up to 2.7K. Okay. Um, but look and feel otherwise is the same. It's got a screen at the back and on the front now. If... Uh, um, I can't remember if the Euro 5 had a screen on the front. I think it did. A little, sure. a little screen that gives you some information. I never used one, I'm, I'm sure it did. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, look, I'm excited to try one. Um, like I said, I've got some, some GoPro accounts, but I've never really upgraded because of the, the peripheral thing. What I do also like is that the gimbal that they've got, so obviously that will work because it's the same, same look and feel of the two cameras. Euro 6 will be backwards compatible with the Euro 5. Um, so yeah, for those slow-mo shots, uh, I think that's going to be 
really cool. I can't wait to, to actually test one. Um, the software also, the software has always been quite solid compared to other digital camera, uh, action cameras. You know, you can't have the software fail on you when you go out and mm. shoot action shots. And I've always liked what GoPro does. Um, so it'll be, yeah, it'll be nice to see. They'll obviously bring out an update for that just to compensate for some of the new features. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on it. But what I'm really excited about is that new Fusion. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, I've been playing with 360 for a while. I've actually got a, so this is my GoPro 360 rig at the moment. Um, it contains six Euro 4 Plus cameras, which at time of purchase was about nine grand. Each. Each, yeah. <laughs> and this Freedom 360 mount, uh, you can just grab it there if you want. That is a lot of GoPros. But Freedom 360 mount is essentially a cradle that, that balls all the cameras together so that you cover all the angles around. You can actually Google it, Freedom 360. It's a very cool uh, little setup. But that's very expensive. I mean, that was about 70,000 Rand in total sure. with some software. With the Euro Fusion, um, and a lot of action camera makers are now going obviously more compact route. Uh, Garmin's got one, so this is uh, essentially a action camera with two lenses. This is the Verb, is it? This is the Verb, yeah, the Verb 360. Now the GoPro one is going to be similar to that, but it's a slightly bigger body. If you, I mean, if you can, if you look at how thick the GoPro is currently, or how long, it, how tall it is, you know, the, the Fusion is slightly, it's slightly a broader body, and I'm not sure if I'm mad about that you know if you look at the the verb 360 it's a square shape anyway we need to test this to see but the the euro 360 uh, the euro 360 the the verb fusion. The, the fusion um i think it's going to be very exciting it's got uh, i'm just pulling up the specs here quickly um it can shoot uh, 4k 360 um and 5.3k which is a slightly higher resolution you can you can edit it with some uh, specialized software uh, sorry, let me just call up the other. 5.3K. 5.2, sorry, 5.2K, not 5.3K. Yeah, it's it's kind of 4, you know, with 360, when you shoot 360 in 4K, it's not quite the 4K you expect right. from a traditional flat 4K. The, the image is still a little bit softer. Now, you want to push as much pixels out just so that you can get the software now to, to wrap it nicely mm. and to maintain some of that crispness. So the 5.2K is, is kind of just pushing that, that image processor just a little, get some more pixels in there. Um, just to deliver a slightly sharper, sharper image. It's obviously waterproof as well. Um, another interesting thing, and that's something that the Verbs also got, is uh, 360 sound. So by putting um, camera, uh, to, by putting microphones around the device, you can obviously, as people move around or as action move around the camera, the camera will then know where that audio is. And mm -hmm. when you scroll around on screen, the audio will follow, which, oh, nice. is, which is quite great, yeah. Um, obviously, the usual waterproof up to five meters. Um, and it's got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth built in as well as GPS and accelerometer, which means for both of these, actually, you can then overlay your statistics onto the screen. And then people can see how fast you're going, how high you are, and that kind of thing. Um, there's a few other 360 cameras on the market. Insta360 is another great one, which is a camera that plugs onto your phone. Um, so yeah, we're really living in the age of immersive video. I mean, there's still a way to go, I think, in terms of getting the quality to what 4K is today, mm. or, you know, and for, for VR, um, AR applications. But to be honest with you, by flipping a switch and having this true 360 capability, you know, GoPro is really going to push the boundaries of that too, because they've got a very loyal following. You know, the likes of Garmin has got a tough time breaking into that market, you know, even with their action cameras. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what people say to this, you know, especially in light of, uh, you know, the fact that you've got that uh, gimbal, that gimbal that you can plug it into now as well, and then you can put it into the Karma drone. So they've got a nice, a nice kit, a nice setup. Yes. 
Um, are they still making that drone? I know they ran into some serious yes, problems. Yes, there was it. massive problems with it, but I believe you can buy it now. Okay. Um, I haven't played with one yet. Not, I don't know even where to get. I don't even know where to get them locally in shops mm. and that kind of thing. Well, the, these heroes you tend to buy at uh, at, at uh, sports warehouses. I mean, places outdoor warehouses like like um, what are they called? Yeah, yeah. But I've never seen drones. You know, I've never seen these guys sell That's drones. True. Yeah, I think people were kind of put off by the. Mm. Um, by that initial failure there. I mean, drones yeah. were literally falling out of the sky. Yeah. But the value in having that uh, grip with the drone, you know, it's, it's mm. great. I mean, obviously, I'm a big DJI fan because I've got all the kit and I use it all the time. But I can see the value in both of them. You know, there's, you know with anything, you've got a loyal following. Mm. You know, with the hardware you want to use, Canon, Nikon, uh, Tesla, yeah. every other car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we don't have pricing yet for South Africa. But uh, no doubt it'll be, the, certainly for the Hero 6, it'll probably be in the same ballpark as the Hero 5 at launch. Yeah. Uh, Fusion, have they announced the US pricing for Fusion? I'm um, not sure they, they said it was six nineteen dollars $700. $700. Yeah. So we'll do 15, 16, maybe. Ooh, maybe, yeah. maybe even more. Seven hundred? No, it shouldn't be that far much. Maybe 14000 Because the Verb 360 is 14999 And how much 14. is this in the US? Uh, I think that's also about six ninety nine. Uh, okay, so you're looking at around that ballpark. That's yeah, quite, yeah. quite pricey. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a high end smartphone price. But it's a three sixty camera. <laughs> so much better. Um, what's also nice is what you can you can stream from these things now as well. So you can stream oh, yeah. to Facebook and yes. and, and YouTube. Ugh, Facebook and YouTube, yeah. Which I mean, depending on the, the streaming, uh, your it cell streams phone via your cell phone, I yeah, via cell phone or Wi-Fi. So if you attach to one of these things to a drone and send it up, you're probably not going to work so well for streaming because it'll get too far from you. Yeah, device. it'll get too far. Yeah. Mm. Well, look, I've seen people mount it to their drones, and but you can you can just use Leechy software on your, with your drone, and then you know. Do a 360 shot mm. manually. It's a photograph, though. But look, you know, your video and drones like that, oh, your drone's going to be more expensive if mm -hmm. you can afford it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very exciting times. Uh, um, I'm enjoying playing with these 360, yeah. 360 cameras. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the new Garmin. GoPro. GoPro Hero 6 and GoPro Fusion cameras. Yeah. Go to the GoPro website if you want to learn more about that. They look pretty cool. Um, but they are not going to be cheap. Yeah, no, you're going to spend it on the leg. That's our news this week. Let's move on to our regular features. We don't have a loser this week. I think we didn't have a winner last week, so uh, we, we do have one of those. <laughs> balances, this <week>. out. <laughs> balances out a bit. Our winner this week is Roku, uh, the big American maker of uh, internet streaming boxes. They have just listed in the US. They went for an IPO, and it has proved to be the most successful IPO of the year in the US. Hmm. Uh, huge demand for their shares, uh, so that company is doing very well indeed. And of course, the Roku devices are now available in South Africa through Quesep Play, yes. part of uh, Liquid Telecom. Uh, they've launched their uh, Netflix-branded product here, promising to bring Quesep TV subscriptions to South Africa as well at some point. Uh, I haven't played with that box actually in the last uh, since the last time we recorded a show, so I'm just going to have a look what channels they've added to that. It should be quite interesting. That's our winner this week, Roku. What's your pick this week, Rehat? So, in light of the fact that we are talking about that we were talking about these action cameras, um, I recently met with a guy from MaxTech, and they're importing a whole range of. Polar Pro accessories, and these are accessories for your drones. But well, one thing that stood out for me, and the one thing that I've actually been using for a while, and I absolutely love, is this little thing called, uh, the, it, well, it's a Polar Pro, Polar Pro Grip. Um, I'll get the exact name for you now. But what this essentially does is it's a handheld grip. As you can see, it's got like a nice rubberized housing. It's got a, a screw mount um, tripod head, which is on a little ball that you can uh, move around. I'm just dropping the one handle there. Um, 
so what you could do with this is like with you can you can actually get something like this for GoPro as well, which is just a stock standard version of a handheld grip, so that you can walk around with your camera mounts on nicely. But what I like about this one, and you know the other handle ones does something similar, it, the legs fold out, um, so you can actually use it as a desktop tripod. Oh, but no. now this is what's nice about this particular one is as I just uh, screw out the, the little rings here, it extends to what about thirty centimeters in total. But what's nice about it is because you've got an action camera, especially if you've got a 360 camera, you know, it's just much easier to use, get mm. around. You don't have to have a bulky tripod. Um, and it also comes with this accessory, which allows you to just screw that on in a variety of ways, and then you put your cell phone in there. Mm. Now, again, if you want to live stream from your phone, you don't want to be walking around holding it. You can just mount it on a table um, and put it down like that. Um, yeah, that's my pick. I think it's absolutely fantastic. You can go to maxtech.co.za. They've got all the details on. There. How much does it retail for? Um, I'm just. I was waiting for the latest price. They haven't landed yet. They are landing next week. Um, but I think it was around about a grand, maybe thirteen hundred rand. Okay. Um, but I'll get the right information for the show notes. Cool. But even at about thousand rand, I mean, this is really handy. Now I don't have to carry a massive tripod around anymore. Yeah. With this ball head, I can you know get ang any angle I want. With this 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 phone handle uh, phone holder is pretty handy as well. Mm -hmm. and I, Try and do a lot of kind of Facebook live stuff, or just shooting nice time lapses with my with my phone, and this is the key. And you can put it in your backpack. Great stuff. My pick this week is a podcast, uh, and it's a really good one. Uh, hat, uh, tip of the hat to uh, my friend Greg Mockneck to picking this one up. It's called the After On Podcast with Rob Reed, um, and uh, he wrote a book called After On, and this is the podcast series about the book. And he, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, I've only listened to one episode so far. Greg promises me the other episodes are equally brilliant. But episode eight with Stephen Webb on Fermi's Paradox is really, hmm. really interesting. Have you come across Fermi's Paradox mm -hmm. before? So tell me. So they ask a question. If the universe is supposed to be teeming with life, why can't we hear it? Where is it? Uh, why are we not picking up any radio frequencies, any um, RF mm. emissions? And we've picked up nothing. SETI's been looking for, uh, listening for, um, for, for these transmissions oh, for, for, for decades, yeah, and yeah. it's picked up nothing. Uh, so it, it raises the question, does this mean that the universe, there's no other advanced intelligent species in the universe? Which seems scary thought. It's a scary thought, very scary thought. Um, terrifying thought, I think. Um, or, or, or does it mean something else? And this, this particular podcast, and there are lots of different podcasts on different subjects here uh, in the series, but that was this particular one, it's the first one I've listened to, very good. It's with Stephen Webb, who's a physicist from the UK. And um, they, are, they, ask, they go through the, the, each, they go through multiple. Uh, points about mm -hmm. why the universe is so quiet why are we not picking up any anything why no one's visited us that sort of thing and they and they go through it logically they explain this might be the case in this instance this might be the case in this instance or it might be this or this or this and then they talk 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 you talk you through it it's very good like analyzing each aspect of why it yeah. couldn't be yeah i mean I, I personally believe that there has to be other intelligent life out there Oh yeah, I know. I completely agree. I mean, with it, you. it's just but is the, the universe, universe too the big? Universe to, is too big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the question they raise is, you know, um, is, is there something unique about Earth that life can emerge from dead matter? Because um, life emerged spontaneously out of nothing, in effect. Uh, is there something about this planet that makes that unique? Uh, you know, has it not replicated in the same way elsewhere in the universe? 
uh, is, has intelligence only developed on, on, on this planet? You know, they make the point that for three billion years on this planet, life was very rudimentary. It was plant life and basic yeah. animal structure, you know, basic animals, nothing, nothing advanced. It was only very recently that um, intelligent animals started to evolve on Earth. So well, recently is also quite a debatable because uh, I've been very interested in this ancient civilization theory. You know, you know, where it says that you know it wasn't just a base, base matter of basic evolution. There's been civilizations on Earth similar to us, maybe even more advanced. You know, millennia before we can even imagine that, even before you know. Mm. I guess uh, there's nothing in the fossil record to suggest that, though. But, uh, but if I mean, if things, if if the Earth has, I guess, evolved so many times, those kind of things would have been destroyed. There is some artifacts I know of people bring. I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but mm. I'm find it fascinating to think that you know the pyramids are much older than what they say they are. Oh, they? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they. That's what they say. I'll send you some links to my podcast. Maybe I'll pick them next week. Okay. <laughs> but it but, is fascinating. But this it's is a fan- fantastic podcast series. It's called After On. And uh, some of the, the subjects and interviews they do. James Barrett on the dangers of superintelligence. Sam Harris on terrorism. Steve Jovetson on quantum computing. Andy yeah, Hessel on synthetic biology. Cindy Cohn on privacy and government intrusion. Adam Gazzley is on consciousness and neuroscience. And Miron Grebetz on augmented reality. Uh, I've only listened to episode eight so far. I don't know why I started in the last one. Uh, but um, uh, my friend Greg, who recommended this to me, says the entire series is fantastic. So go check it out. It's called the After On Podcast, and we'll uh, create a link to that in the show notes. It's one of the best podcasts, certainly the episode I listened to that I've heard to date. And that's our show. Except for our quiz. <laughs> Let me do the first question. When has SAP said it will publish the results of an external probe into allegations of malfeasance in its South African operation, and that is in late October? GoPro announced new cameras this week. Name one of them. The answer there is either the GoPro Euro 6 or the GoPro Fusion. And if you mentioned Garmin, you got an extra point. Nasprez <laughs> <laughs> has invested the equivalent of 10.6 billion rand in which European food service delivery company? And that is Delivery Hero. The fourth question. Web Africa has announced it's splitting into two companies, an internet-based business and a hosting business. What is the name of the hosting business? And the answer there is Gridhost. And a last question in the quiz this week. Elon Musk has announced plans to build a rocket ship to transport people to anywhere on the planet in under an hour. What is the rocket ship called? And the answer there is BFR. And I don't think it stands for Big Friendly Rocket. I was going to make a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) BFR, nice. BFR. I think he played too much Doom when he was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) And that is our show. As always, if you've got any feedback for us, please drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Info at techcentral.co.za. We do read all your mails. Until next time, from Rechel and myself. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.